We are going to begin a new series on trusting God. Let me grab a stand right here. Ooh, how about we even do this? How about we let all of you, if you'd like to move over to this side, we'll, we'll come right over here. So if you want to stand, sit over there, you can sit over there, but I'm going to come right down front here and uh, get a little bit closer to everybody and uh, just thankful that we can trust God in the situations of life. What are some of the situations that are tough to trust God in? What are some of the situations that are tough to trust God in? Okay, health. Yeah, isn't that a difficult thing at times? Uh, whether it's uh, an ongoing situation or a quick problem that you just developed or whatever it may be, our health is a tough thing to trust God in. What are some other things that are tough to trust God in? Okay, our faith. Yeah, is is God going to be faithful in this? Man, Chris, I appreciate you sharing that this morning. Uh, but he will be faithful to can complete that and do that work. What else? What are some other situations? Gabby, what's something that's tough to trust God in? Family issues. Isn't that true for all of us? Uh, it is tough to trust God. Uh, but yet, we can. Uh, one more. One more thing. Okay, Chris. The future. Yeah, not back to the future, right? Uh, but uh, the future. What is going to happen? Maybe in 10 years. But how about tomorrow or next week? Trusting God can be a difficult thing, but God cares, and he wants us to trust him. I better get to my right notes so I don't preach my morning message as opposed to my Sunday school lesson here. Uh, when we talk about outlook on life, we kind of can break up people into two different groups. We've got the optimist and the pessimist. What's an optimist? Yeah, it'll all work out. They're just, okay, they always have hope. And then the pessimist is someone who what? <laughs> Everywhere. If I sit in the wrong spot in this pew, it's going to collapse. Will this really hold me up? You know, I'm going to probably walk through that door today and it'll hit me on the way out. Right? Or whatever it may be. Um, I, I see my, my, one of my girl's water bottles. It's half full instead of half empty. At least that would be the optimist view, right? But the pessimist sees everything is almost gone. Now, can we kind of go through different stages of both of those in life? Have you? Yeah, can't we? Those are, there are difficult times where sometimes we're just always seem to be bubbly and trusting God and everything's good. And then there are those times where it's just so tough. An optimist is someone who gets married at 75 and tries to find a house near a school. Right? Okay, some of you got that. Okay. Uh, a pessimist, then, right, uh, is someone who's not going to do something like that. Of course, that's just a realist, right? Uh, an optimist is someone who goes to a picnic with four pounds of steak, five pounds of charcoal, and one match. How many of you have ever lit charcoal? And it uh, usually takes more than one match for you, right? Uh, an optimist is some man, I'm just going to do all this. Uh, the pessimist is, is someone who, they're going to just tell us why this won't work. Oh, that'll never work. Ah, oh, no. That'll never work. They don't let you dream, right? You, you might try to share someone, your dreams with someone as a pessimist that they might be, and they're saying, ah, oh, no, that's never going to turn out for you. Or you'll change when you get older. Wait a second. Do we have to be a pessimist? No. Uh, we can trust God. Now, again, we have to be a, there's a point of being a realist. I can't go out and say I'm going to 
buy whatever, or this is going to happen to me today, I'm going to win a million dollars or whatever, right? But the, the realist, I'm going to trust God, and yet uh, there are going to be struggles in life. COVID-19, that's been a real struggle in our culture, uh, even when it comes to the workforce. Jeff, as you mentioned that, uh, COVID-19 has been a real struggle um, on multiple levels economically, because maybe because of some of the policies that have been put in place. Uh, it has affected our economy in more ways than it could have the other way. Uh, and just so many different things. So COVID-19, uh, the housing crisis, the financial crisis, uh, scandals. I mean, how many times do we have scandals, whether it's in the political scene or uh, just in uh, every other day and age of the world? We have so many different scandals. So as we go through these different struggles, we can trust God. Genesis chapter 8, verse 20. Genesis chapter 8, verse 20. Uh, we are going to look here briefly in this passage at a man. Take a guess who he is. Genesis 8. Who are we going to talk about? Noah. Yes, Noah. In Genesis 8, verse 20, the flood has already happened. Someone read verse 20. Okay, so now, of course, this, they had gone through the big struggle of the flood, and he's offering to the Lord. And yet, there's a promise in verse 22. One of you teenagers, read that for me. Verse 22. That means someone younger than 20. There's a promise. God will keep things going while the earth remaineth. So, do we have hope that tomorrow is going to come? It will come. Now, the rapture may happen today, and if you know Jesus Christ as Savior, you won't be here, but tomorrow will come. And the reality of that, uh, God has given some specific promises. Our seasons will happen. God made these promises. And so as we go through life, we can look at the promises of God. We can trust God. Uh, in fact, number one there on your page, we're going to look at the pattern. There is a pattern that we see throughout life and throughout history, and it's full of cycles. The pattern of cycles that we see in Scripture. In fact, Sarah just read those. Some of those, right? In Genesis chapter 8, verse 22. While the earth remaineth, seed time and harvest. Is that a cycle? We plant in the spring or... In the fall, if it's winter, we eat, right? Uh, we plant in the spring and we harvest in the fall. There's this pattern, this cycle of harvesting. You plant and you harvest. There's seasons of heat and cold. How many of you are looking forward to the season of cold? Two of us. Okay. Now the rest of you don't shoot us, okay? Uh, but we, we enjoy, you enjoy the different seasons, don't you? Uh, how many of you are at least looking forward to being a little cooler, right? Okay, there you go. Now we got some hands. Uh, but we, we see this. God is going to continue this. We can talk ab about the fears of global warming, but really we kind of see cycles throughout history, recorded history of temperature and global warming and a lot of these different temperature sh shifts and changes. But who's in control? God. And as long as, I mean, look at Genesis 8, verse 22. While the earth remaineth, seed time and harvest, and what? Started with cold and heat. And then, yeah, Jaffe, that next one right there, summer and winter. I mean, 
we have to be wise with our, the world God has given us. But do we have to be afraid that someday we are going to burn up because this earth gets too hot? God has promised. We have to look at the promises of God and trust him. So all of this is laying a foundation. We see the patterns that we can trust God, the cycles of uh, seen in scripture. Then also, of course, light and dark. How many of you uh, enjoy it when it gets dark? Because that means you go to bed, right? How many enjoy that? Uh, I loved what Bev said. I don't know how those kids have all that energy at 7 o'clock at night. How many of you agree with her? I don't know how they have all that energy, right? I mean, that's, I guess that's why parents are young, Usually, right? Um, and yet, we see those patterns that God has given in the scripture. Promises of God. We see patterns in the pattern of cycles in Joseph's life. Think about Joseph. Teenagers. Who was Joseph? Tell me something about Joseph. Okay, Daniel. Yeah, he had that bright color, colored coat. All sorts of things. Here we see the beginning of a cycle of What? Hatred from his brothers, right? Because his dad gave him this nice coat. And, and then he was sent to go check on them. And so again, we see this cycle of them not liking him. Which ultimately ended up in what on their life? God's blessing. <laughs> Even though they hated, I mean, God worked and provided for them in the time of famine. We see some other cycles in Joseph's life. What else? Hannah. Yeah, and so the wisdom that God gave him. So in that time period, we see a couple cycles. There was a cycle of excess and saving. And then there was a cycle of not much. And yet they had that they took from the storehouse of Egypt. And so we see these cycles. God does work in cycles. So when tough times come in life, we don't have to give up hope. We can remember this is just one of those seasons of life. How many of you can look back at your own life then and see some of those cycles? Right? I mean, man. Anybody got uh, maybe uh, just a quick sentence or two you want to share of, wow, I saw this. I didn't know how I was going to get through, and then God did this. And I mean, anybody? Give me an opportunity. You don't have to. We see those all the time, though, don't we? Whether it's uh, financial situations. It's so tight, we don't know how we're going to breathe. And then, wow, God allows us to work through that. And then maybe we get to that point again, and it's just we've got to keep trusting God. Uh, there's the old chorus, I just keep trusting my Lord as I walk along. Right? I mean, we see those cycles in our own lives. Uh, financial seasons. Uh, we see, really, even in our cycles in our own history of collection what are some things you collected as a kid or some of you are still teens and maybe you're still collecting but okay daniel rocks how many of you have collected rocks when i was a kid i glued my rock collection to cardboard strips and they were heavy strips but i could pick them up anyway uh, so i collected rock but i don't collect them anymore i collect one and that was a diamond, and that was like my last rock I collected, and that was when I got engaged. Uh, I gave that to Karen. But uh, that was my last rock for my rock collection. But that goes through cycles. How about other collections that kind of go through waves in our country? Any of you ever collect sports cards? Okay, a couple of us here collected sports cards. And maybe you went through those waves and cycles of life where then all of a sudden it didn't mean as much to you anymore. I kept my sports cards... 
I don't know where they are. I think I finally donated them. Because <laughs> it's like, okay, I went through that cycle and season of life. But we also see collections that go through cycles in our nation where they don't happen anymore. Pogs. Anybody remember Pogs? Dennis, do you remember Pogs when we were kids? Uh, and uh, those were a hot thing. I lived in Iowa at that time, and they weren't in Iowa. But I came to Michigan to visit family, and boy, I sure learned about them. But teens don't really collect those anymore, do they? And, uh, you know, we go through all sorts of cycles. And so that should encourage us when we get into some discouraging cycles. This is just one of those cycles. I have to trust God through it, but God's not going to leave me. If I know Jesus Christ is Savior, he promises to never what? Never forsake us or leave us. And so we have to cling to the hope in the midst of the difficult times of life. So we see the cycles, the patterns, but we also see the perspective. Things may be bad, but not hopeless. Things may be bad, but not hopeless. Because ultimately, it can always get worse. Uh, in fact, the next point there, there is always a time worse than what we are living in. And maybe not for us, but for somebody else, we can look at that and think, okay, someone is, is going through or has gone through a lot more tough time than I am right now. Am I alone? No. And others are going through worse than I am. I remember thinking of this to my uncle. I, I struggled in my teen. Any of you struggle in your teenage years? Like emotionally. Like, man, I remember. And I had some deep struggles in my teenage years. But my uncle got paralyzed when I was a teenager. Um, he came to Karen's thing a couple weeks ago. He was in a wheelchair. Uh, it was my sister's 13th birthday. He had his accident. And he's never walked since. Uh, man, that... But that ripped deep in my heart, not just because of my love and compassion for him, but there were times that in my own pity, I saw how horrible my life was. And then I think, but my uncle has it so much worse than I have it. You know, and sometimes we get so self-focused, but we've got to remember these are just patterns. We've got to keep a proper perspective, not just comparing ourselves amongst ourselves, but how about even Jesus Christ? Hebrews 12 reminds us Jesus suffered for us. Like, he suffered worse than what you're suffering right now. Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Uh, wow, just so many things that Jesus suffered through, and yet his love and grace through that. So again, we, we stop, and we've got to keep a proper perspective on life. Then we see the principle. Here's a principle here. Understand and obey the Bible, and you can make it through the tough times. Understand and obey. That's important. You can make it through. But who gives us the encouragement? It's God. So that means it's a reminder and a challenge. We need so much more. Even if, let's say we come out and we hit every teaching time that I give as your pastor. We have Sunday school. We have Sunday morning. We have Sunday afternoon. And in Sunday afternoon, we have kids time. Then we have Wednesday night. In fact, on Wednesday night, not only do we have a lesson and we're we've been dealing with bibliology, but then we also look at a creation moment. I mean, and so there's all these teaching times, but that's not enough. You need a personal walk with God. And it happens at your house. It happens when you're alone. It happens in your life, your alone time with God. So it's not just this proper perspective, but the principle is you need to understand and obey the Bible. 1 Timothy 6, verses 17 through 19. Paul reminds Timothy that there are going to be people who seem to have it all together in the world. Some that have financial blessings. 
How many of you wish you were rich like Bill Gates? Only one of you. Okay. Uh, I, I mean, the reality is, don't we? I mean, isn't that our solution? In our minds, we say, if I only had more money, I would be okay. Are we trusting our money then, or are we trusting the God who owns everything anyway? And yet it's so much easier to look at Bill Gates and think, oh man, if I only had half of his money, could you just give me a million? Not even half, just give me a million, and I'll be okay. But would I really? Am I trusting God or am I trusting stuff? We keep this perspective. Paul is telling Timothy, charge them which are rich in this world, in verse 17, charge them that are rich in this world, that they be not high-minded, nor trust in uncertain riches, but in the living God who giveth us richly all things to enjoy, that they do good, that they be rich in good works, ready to distribute, willing to communicate, laying up in store for themselves a good foundation against the time to come that they may hold that lay, they may lay hold on eternal life. So he's saying, don't trust in your money or your stuff. Now again, praise God, he's given us stuff to enjoy. How many of you enjoyed some of your stuff this last week? Okay, and if not, you should go home and enjoy it. God gave it to you. But our focus shouldn't be the stuff, it should be the God who knows all and gives all, and not just so that we can enjoy it, but so we can enjoy him fellowshipping with God and trusting in him. This passage is clear on that. Now, ultimately, we often think money is the answer to our problems. And yet, if uh, many of the Ugandans, or let's, let's use Suriname. We had the champions here last week. Uh, if, if any of the people in Mwengo had the money that you and I have, however little it may be, they would think their problems were all over. And here we are thinking, if I only had this much money, my problems would be all over. Wait a second. We've got to trust God and see him. And so, again, we really are well off in this world, but we've got to trust God. James 1, verse 17. In fact, in the morning services, we're beginning a series in the book of James that you're, uh, you guys got the inside scoop for today. Uh, but we'll be starting a book of James this morning. And my goal, we'll see if this happens, my goal is to finish the book of James before the end of the year. There's a lot to cover in James. But as we begin to look at this, in the first chapter, so we'll probably get to this section next week, James 1.17, Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above, and cometh down from the Father of lights, with whom is no variableness, neither shadow of turning. We can look at God. We can look at God. So the principle is to understand and obey the Bible. Uh, a fragile trust that is forbidden. God's not wanting us just to kind of hopefully trust him. Not just some kind of fragile, oh, I think I can trust God, but really trusting him. How many of you say that's really hard sometimes, though? The rest of you believe it too, though, don't you? <laughs> it, it is hard. Pastor Bob, it is hard to trust God at times, isn't it? Now, it should be easy, but there are times we get so focused on ourselves. I, I was thinking this week of Elijah. In 1 Kings, uh, what is it, about 18 and 19, where he was going through, he had this great victory on top of Mount Carmel, which I believe is chapter 17. And after this, there was this great heaviness of heart. In fact, he, he asked God to let him die. Talk about being depressed. That was Elijah right there. Here's this man of God who saw a great victory and God do great things, and yet the next day he's like, God, would you just let me die? We've got to keep a proper perspective, but it's so hard. It's not just a fragile trust, but trusting in the one who is there. 
There's an old chorus, maybe some of you know it. He's my rock, my sword, my shield. He's the wheel in the middle of the wheel. Anybody know that song? And he is my, we'll have to learn that then. Okay, Ashton, that's another kid's song we're going to have to learn. Uh, but uh, when we think about that, he is the rock on which I stand. Psalms are clear with all of that. He is that rock. So don't just having a fragile trust, but really a faithful father who can be trusted. That's who God is, a faithful father. Psalm 37, 24 and through 26. Psalm 37, verse 24 says, Though he fall, he shall not be utterly cast down. Some of you know this passage. But the rest of the verse says, For the Lord upholdeth him with his hand. Psalm 37, 24 through 26, an incredible passage. I didn't put it on your notes. I want to encourage you to write it down and read through it later. He is the father who can be trusted. In fact, the psalmist goes on in verse 25 and says, I have been young and now I'm old. Some of you can say that. You teenagers can't say that. You teenagers say, I am young. Some of you say, I am old. <laughs> right? I mean, here's the psalmist who says, I have been young and now I'm old. Yet have I not seen the righteous forsaken. You have a father who can be trusted, whether it's physical, financial, or whatever other kind of issues in life. God is there to hold you up. In fact, verse 26, he is ever merciful and lendeth and his seed is blessed. And he's talking about, again, that blessed one of God. Then we see a fruitful future trust, a fruitful future trust. Use the resources God has entrusted you for others. Um, Hey, God wants us to be used in other people's lives. Again, a very important part of our church functions. It, we gather on Sundays, and many of you are able to gather on Wednesdays. We gather together to worship God. But an important part of that worship is fellowship. Not just the football score, but what's going on spiritually. I love these times. I loved hearing praises this morning. Because this is what God's doing in life. Yeah, how many of you go through difficult times in... Man, you feel like no one person is there to listen to your heart. Sometimes, don't we? And yet, God wants us to build some of those bonds in the local church so we can have that person that sometimes we can just cry on their shoulder. We are to encourage and exhort one another. And if we're going to encourage others, we have to know sometimes when they're struggling. Life isn't perfect. That's why I, I try to be open. I mean, man, you, you don't know all my struggles in life, but I, I want you guys to know I struggle just as much as you do. And yet we have the hope, and that's found in Jesus Christ. And so, again, we look to him. Uh, he can be trusted, a fruitful future trust of who God is and uh, really of, of what God's given us now, just living and investing for him. And we see the promise here. I've got to quickly wrap this up here. We see the promise. Matthew 6.33. Does anybody know Matthew 6.33? But seek ye... Go ahead. Quote it. But seek ye... Seeking God first. But that's tough. I get up in the morning and I don't want to get up. You ever have those mornings? Man, I do. Your alarm goes off and you try to cover it and... It, <laughs> maybe shoot it with a gun or I don't know, right? I mean, we, we don't want to get up. And it's, sometimes it's not just because we're tired. Sometimes our emotions are like, if I get out of this bed, I have to face the world. And yet God can be trusted, can he? And so seek ye first. During that time, I want to encourage you, seek him. Because God is that one who is our refuge and strength. So the priority is God first. Proverbs 3, verse 9, Honor the Lord with all thy substance and with the first fruits of thine increase. So we see that 
not just in our own heart, but then with our stuff, honoring God with the first fruits of our substance, of uh, the increase. Uh, we see Elijah and the widow of Zarephath. Again, after 1 Kings, I think it's probably about verse or chapter 20, 21, somewhere right in there, where he goes to the widow and she has nothing left. One little meal she's going to make for her son. She says, we're going to eat this and die. And Elijah said, would you give it to me first? That doesn't make sense. But here, she trusted God, the man of God. And she trusted God himself. And God provided for her and her son. And they didn't die. So again, the promise. Putting God first. Because he is the provider. He is the provider. And we can be thankful for that. Again, that doesn't mean life is going to be easy. Elijah's life wasn't always easy. In fact, it wasn't all often easy. <laughs> Yet he trusted God. He's the provider. Psalm 121, verses 1 and 2. I want to encourage you to look these up a little later. Psalm 121, verses 1 and 2. Verse 1, the psalmist says, I will lift up mine eyes unto the hills from whence cometh my help. So God is the provider. We see some pointers then to help us as we wrap up today. What are some pointers, some practical things to help us to trust God in the difficult situations of life? Letter A there, be careful who you listen to. How can that affect us if we listen to the wrong person? What are some ways that can affect us? Jeff? Yeah. There are some who will just lead us away from God. God can't be trusted. Chris? <laughs> you ever been around a pessimist and a couple of them, and all of a sudden you just see everything negative, right? I mean, and so who you listen to, that will affect you. How about the news? Seems to be very pessimistic. I think it's important that we stay informed as believers, but I want to encourage you. I'm afraid that if we spend too much time on the news, it will lead us down the road of discouragement because life is hopeless. I was listening to a podcast this morning, husband and wife do it, and uh, I was so challenged with this. In fact, the husband, he loves news, and it reminded me a lot of myself. And so there have been times uh, I've deleted Google Chrome off my phone because my first tendency is to open that up and look at the news. And I don't want that to control my life. I don't want that to discourage my heart too much. There's a point of being informed. But we've got to be cautious who we listen to. Uh, not everyone gives good advice. Not everyone encourages you to trust in God. Even believers. There are some believers that you may say, I'm just not going to spend lots of time with you because you just discourage me because you, you never see that you can trust God or you never help me trust God. Focus on what's really important. Troubled times are painful but temporary. So we must live for the eternal. Focus on what's really important. It's God. You are an eternal being made in the image of God. Your body, no matter what pain you're going through, is only temporal. It's only temporary. <laughs> Some of you say, praise the Lord. But in Romans chapter 8, it talks about how our bodies groan for that day of redemption. And then be careful. Walk circumspectly. Ephesians 5, 15, and 16. See then that ye walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise, redeeming the time because the days are evil. How many hours do you have left today? The average, let's say we go to bed. At, let's say everybody will go to bed at 10 o'clock tonight. About how many hours do we have left? About 11. Out of 24. How are you going to live the next 11 hours? Let's be careful. Trust God. 
even when life is tough and keep our focus on what's really important. Father, we're thankful for your love in this time we've had. I pray that you'll help us to trust you and see you work in great ways in our own lives. God, we want to see you work. We want to see you use us. We pray then that that would overflow into your church here at Munith, that we would watch you do a work that only you can. And it's in Jesus' name. Amen.